Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Are you interested in angels, demons, spirits, ghosts, and monsters? Are you curious about their origins, tales, and influence upon history and on the present day? If so, sit back, relax, and welcome to Southern Demonology, the podcast that explores all of this and more. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hello all, welcome to another episode of Southern Demonology, I'm JJ, and today we are going to be talking about Lilith, the topic I've promised for a few episodes now, but I want to take a little bit of a backdoor to get there, and I hope you'll excuse me for the diversion. Have you seen the original Twilight Zone? It's kind of a strange question. If you're coming from my generation, the answer is going to be inevitably yes. Just because it would show up on, you know, holidays that you'd watch it, uh, on Halloween. Uh, if, you know, you happen to watch in the Sci-Fi Channel, then it's usually re-ran several times a year. So it was pretty ubiquitous in, time, in terms of its audience. Not quite so much now, but I bring it up because the genius of the original Twilight Zone was that it wasn't really pegged into any one particular genre. Yes, the vast majority of the episodes were, you know, dedicated to horror, but you also had a lot of science fiction mixed in, uh, post-apocalyptic themes. But one of the biggest ones, and I think this is the one that most people tend to forget about, is that there were quite a few episodes that were geared to humor. And it was that humor that really kind of stood out. It didn't allow itself to be one dimension. And that's why, in this, you know, the series have been remade quite a few times. But none of them will ever approach the original. And it's not just because they're, you know, shocky piece of media that's trying to capitalize on a well-known name. Although I'm sure that has a good bit to do with it. But it's just because of the fact that all of these new ones, they have to go into it with one driving purpose. We're going to be horror. We're going to try to shock the audience. But it didn't take a little bit more of an intellectual cast of things. And why do I bring this up? Well, 
there was another series that came along later that although it still defined itself within the pure kind of horror genre and I was doing finger quotes when I was saying that even though no one can see that sorry about that um, it also remembered that humor goes extremely well with horror and that was HBO's Tell Us in the Crypt now it tried to like distinguish itself by not only its spokesperson which was a nice little you know honorific uh, host the Crypt Keeper but it also had the Crypt Keeper inject humor into everything now unfortunately the stories themselves were extremely lackluster and the only kind of like selling point that it had was well we can bring some big stars to each one of our shows didn't really help it all that much however it did actually launch two movies as well and I don't know if you've seen them I hope you have uh, the first one was actually really good Demon Knight um, it told a story of cosmological import and it was pretty well done the second one not so much the, but it's the second one in which we're actually going to be coming to our topic for the evening um, Bordello of Blood if you've seen it then you were introduced to Lilith the main baddie in the movie who was kind of a demon slash vampire slash something or other and if you're wondering why there's that ambiguity to it I I, I think that that's pretty much the only thing that movie got right you see Lilith has gone through a ton of transformations and she's been around for oh so long ever since Mesopotamia and actually Sumeria as well so she stretches back in history for a great deal now most people that happen to know her knows that she is somehow Adam's first wife or maybe she's the mother of demons or something along those lines and in fact um, what just a few weeks ago um, uh, Blizzard announced uh, the newest Diablo Diablo 4 and it it the main great prime evil that's how they classify their demons and that um, is actually going to be Lilith which is what made me think well hey maybe this would be a an interesting show to be able to bring up but Lilith beyond just the video game aspect has fascinated me for quite a while uh, because it's this fluidity of uh, of her uh, nature you see her start off as a goddess who then becomes a night hag who then eventually becomes the mother of all demons so how did this happen what's some of the history behind this mysterious figure 
that's what we want to explore tonight. So, hope you sit back and enjoy. It's going to be kind of a long ride, but I will make it as entertaining as possible, or at least as much as I'm able to, which isn't that much, but, you know, we'll see how we get going. So, surprisingly enough, the mystery of Lilith starts at the beginning in Genesis, uh, Barry Sheath. If you look at Genesis 1, starting at verse 26, um, and I'm reading from the JPS version, it says, And God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping, creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. And God created man in his own image. In the image of God he created uh, he him. Male and female created he them. And God blessed them and said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that creepeth upon the earth. Did you notice anything strange about that passage? If you said, that doesn't quite jive with what I thought about how God created man and woman, you would be absolutely right. If you look in Genesis, there's actually two creation myths regarding humanity. There's this first one in Genesis 1. And then follows is the more complete version that most people are, you know, very familiar with. Where, you know, God creates man and then creates woman from a rib from man. Now, this has caused, again, a lot of confusion. How can you have two stories, one in which man and woman are created at the same time and the other in which man's created first and then woman is created after some people have explained this by saying well the first is just an allusion to the second or the first is more an abbreviated telling of the second but some people really didn't buy that so you have this idea that well in english we call him adam but that there's adam and a female that was created and then the second one it's you know you you still have adam but then you have eve who is created as a second woman and if you look at later rabbinic material this is kind of the concept that's gone with where it was actually Adam and Lilith who was created first. And then they quarreled. She would not be subdued by Adam. And then she took off. And later became the consort of demons. And then evolved into the mother of all demons. So that's where Lilith wound up at. But to see where she really started within 
the lore of humanity, you have to go a good bit further back. Some believe that Lilith started in the Epic of Gilgamesh, where there was a demon called Kisakil Lila, which made its lair in the tree that um, that that uh, the goddess um, Inanna, or commonly known as Ishtar, wanted to cut down to make herself a throne and a bed. And others think that that root term Lil, which means wind, literally, but also can stand for the Hebrew word Ruach, which can also mean breath or life, uh, was one associated with three goddesses uh, or demons, as they later became known, of the winds. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. So, she has kind of a complex uh, history in Sumerian and Mesopotamian texts which and the delineation isn't really all quite there but there are two interesting aspects so you have you know so the three goddesses were like Lilu, Lilitu and uh, Wardat or Ardat Lili and they all kind of became mixed together but although they all meant wind um, some of them also especially the Ardat Lili um, was really the name of a young marriageable woman however the interesting part is is that um, the marriageable part in this part is kind of questionable because of the fact that it's this is viewed as a type of seductress that you don't have normal intercourse with so and in fact, one of the legends or theories, whatever you may want to call it, depict um, Ardat Lili as being able to flee a house like an ill wind. Um, and then you actually see in later Talmudic texts of people admonishing young men not to sleep alone, lest Lilith come into your house and seduce you. So, from the earliest days, Lilith has been very much associated with these ideas 
of wind, of breath, of spirit, and then also sexuality. Lilith has only really one mention in the Hebrew Bible, and that is in Isaiah uh, 34. And that's where this passage is going over Edom and the desolation that it entails. So, reading from the Revised Standard Version, because the translation in this case is a little bit better, uh, Isaiah 34, 14, And wild beasts shall meet with hyenas, the satyr shall cry to his fellow, Yea, there shall be the night hag a light, and find for herself a resting place. There shall the night, the owl, nest and lay and hatch, and gather her young in her shadow. Yea, there shall be kites be gathered, each one with her mate. And that ran also into verse 15. But that part where it said night hag, that is actually Lilith. And this is kind of a folk etymology but Lilith sounds pretty close to the Hebrew word for night or Leilah so the kind of popular etymology is that she is a night hag or a night demon so as we all know Israel did not exist by itself Judaism did not exist by itself it sat in a wide net of concepts and beliefs and mythologies and it borrowed from them and it was heavily influenced by those different aspects and so Lilith appears here as a night hag as a creature that is associated not only with hyenas and jackals and goats, but also with owls and kites and raptors, etc. So you can see there's still this concept of wind, of, you know, all, with all of these um, horrible night creatures that dwell within the desert. But she's something slightly different. She is. A definite evil force all unto herself and the interesting part is being able to track back when did this transition happen you know you had her start off in Sumerian and Akkadian texts she then mysteriously shows up in Isaiah as a demon that resides in the desert and then you have her further evolutions that go forth um, within later Talmudic and rabbinic texts that show that, you know, because she argued with Adam, she flew away from the garden and then started cavorting with demons and giving birth to them. And that's why she became as became known as the mother of demons. The interesting part is that, you know, even in the Dead Sea Scrolls, we have 5Q, 5, 10, and 11 that I read last time. I'm not going to read the whole thing again, I promise. But she's mentioned there again. 
You know, not only do you have the spirits of the angels of destruction, the spirits of the bastards, demons, Lilith, howlers, blah, blah, blah. She is still a very definite force. And I think one of the staying powers that she has is not only this entire entanglement with sexuality, but moreover, it's, the, it's really the concept of wind. That she is, like the giants, another one of these demons that is comprised of ruach, of life, of breath, of spirit. And that's what makes her so entirely dangerous. She is at once, you know, tangible and intangible with, you know, the biblical references of her appearing alongside satyrs and also owls and kites. She's both familiar and unfamiliar. She is one of these things that lurks in the darkness. In fact, it gets really kind of interesting because if you look in some of the Psalms where it starts mentioning demons by illusion, you get this concept of an arrow that flieth by day. And that is often associated with Lilith. And in fact, Lilith has, in, has been introduced in several other areas. Uh, she's often confused with Lamashtu. Uh, which is another demoness that, you know, sometimes is portrayed with the head of a lion and the teeth of a donkey, or later she's depicted as holding snakes and riding a donkey. Uh, and then later, uh, even within like early translations of uh, the Greek and uh, Latin versions of the Bible, you will see weird translations of Lilith becoming Lamia. You find that in the Vulgate. You find it in a few others. So, Lilith is all over the place. And she, and it's probably because, you know, her influence spread outside of Mesopotamia into Phoenicia um, and later into, um, you even find her in Zoroastrianism where she becomes one of the daughters of Akhraman. Uh, which is like the head evil demon. So it, it just all goes to show that, you know, Lilith has staying power. She was really evident in folklore and mythology until the Middle Ages, and it's kind of tampered down. But now, you know, people are reaching back in antiquity. They're trying to find new sources of material to imagine. And her name is one of those that gets pulled up from the rift. And rightfully so. She is a fascinating character. I wish we had more source text so that we can actually depict what she was, you know, what her idea uh, was at any particular period in time. If I ever had a chance, I would do so. But um, you even find her mentioned uh, in um, in magical amulets that supposedly Solomon had crafted. And that's going to be a topic for a future episode, um, going over Solomon. Because Solomon and his wisdom are, is, you know, 
spans multiple different books from the pseudepigrapha and onward. Um, and as always, Solomon was, you know, uh, a, a tamer of demons. So, but regardless, this is going to kind of wrap up uh, Lilith, and it will wrap up the, you know, kind of a three-part series in which we've went over what the um, the angels were that were alluded to in Genesis 6-1, then we went into the giants, and then we finally finished up with Lilith, and the period of, you know, the, the time thread between each one of those three is definitely this idea of spirit that is able to lash out at humanity no matter if it is you know been sent against each other in battle or confined in the desert of Dudael, whatever it may be it still has lasting power and at this point has lasted for more than 3,000 years so I would say that it is um it definitely has very long arms that has been able to reach us even here in the present day so we've been going over some pretty heavy hitting topics these past few episodes so we're going to back it up a little bit and have a little bit more fun i think i'm going to go over some horror movies that i have been watching and they're not just going to be from you know this year or last year or I'm, I'm definitely not going to make a best of or worst of of the decade because a no one cares to hear my opinion and b it would be very torturous to do so uh but rather i'm going to go over some of the best and worst and go you know and, and try to highlight the ones that if you haven't seen it i highly recommend uh or if you have then hopefully we can commiserate together so look forward to that join us again can't tell you how happy i am that you're with us and i hope that we can keep this party going for a good bit longer so until next time take care <laughs>